And David, we, do we have a vet? David Tabret, hello. Yes, g'day, Dave. How are you? There you are. It's great. <laughs> We've got you with us. And a great topic today, very important one as we edge closer to Christmas and the holiday period, Christmas toxicities. Mm. Well, I mean, toxicities are always a problem any day of the year, but particularly around Christmas time. So we'll cover off a couple of special topics there. Okay. And Cheryl, a special guest joining us from the RSPCA. Yes, that's right. We're going to be having Deborah Jagers talk about the capacity um, of full RSPCA animals needing some help. That's right. We've got Deborah Jagers. Um, she's the manager of the Hunter Animal Care Services. So welcome, Deborah. Thank you, Cheryl. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. And I hear that the RSPCA is currently at capacity. Is this correct? Yeah, we're certainly very busy at the moment. It's a very busy time of year. We've certainly lots of kittens starting to come through and we've certainly got lots of dogs with us at the moment. So uh, what, what that means for community is that there's lots of opportunity and choice of animals available for adoption. Yeah, I was thinking that this time of the year it would be uh, very good for a lot of people are starting annual leave and it would be a great time for them to actually um, select a dog and spend some time bonding with it. Um, because, you know, with holidays, it just gives that time for the pet to settle in. Do you have any processes um, to check suitability for people adopting at this time of the year? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Shirley. It is a fantastic time of year. Kids are off school as well, so there's, there's all that opportunity for bonding. And, yeah, the, the, what our experience has shown us and what we found is, is uh, a little bit of thought going into a, a choice for an adoption makes for a perfect match and a successful adoption. So... Um, involving what people might not know is the most common reason for animals for adoptions not to work is that the, they, they don't work well with the existing pets in the family um, or someone in the household has got an allergy. So it, it's really important to think, think about things like that and that's what the RSPCA staff can do is help work through that process. Um, and for example, if, if people are thinking uh, of adopting a dog or, and they've got existing dogs, uh, we, we recommend a meet and greet where your, your existing pet um, actually meets the potential new adopting dog and see how they get on and if they're going to be best buddies. Oh, okay. That's a good idea to do that, uh, that um, mm. introduction. And hearing that the shelter is bulging at the seams, do you have any incentives for people to um, buy or, or to get a new pet? Yeah, but look, we do. What we've done is because, because we're extremely busy and Christmas is coming up and we'd love to provide more opportunities for um, dogs particularly. We, we're very full with dogs at the moment to be able to be home by Christmas in the new forever home. So we've got a special uh, discounted dog adoption drive at the moment, um, which means that um, any puppy, dog or what we call a golden oldie, so an eight-year-old or older dog um, of whatever breed, is actually available at discounted adoption fee of a hundred dollars, which yeah we're hoping will encourage people to think about uh, adopting uh, a pet, um, perhaps potentially having them home for Christmas. Oh, that's a really great idea to um, to find a pet a good home. Uh, just with Christmas coming on, what's your advice on giving a pet as a gift? I don't feel that's a great idea. What's what's your views? Look, look, we do we do support that, but with with what's really important again is that thinking beforehand in terms of you know is that person going to be willing and accepting and able to support uh, the new companion pet? You know, ideally, what probably would be the best advice is actually we involve them whilst it remains a gift. You involve them in that decision making and that choice, 
and they actually look at the the variety of uh, adoption animals available and they're part of that choice so that so that you get the best chance of a perfect match for for the per- your gift to that person and for the animal to to have its new forever home uh, with that perfect match in terms of you know what type of home the person lives in, whether they're looking for, um, you know, a very active young dog, for example, or maybe one of our lovely golden oldies who are sort of into middle age or older age that that perhaps don't need so much exercise and and are happier with a gentle, quieter sort of home environment. That's really good advice. Well, Debbie, I hope that we can find lots of animals there, a home for Christmas and um, and make sure that these um, RSPCA isn't at the capacity it's at at the moment. So thank you for joining us today. Lovely, and thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank My pleasure. You. We're talking about uh, toxicities with our animals, especially mm-hmm. at Christmas time. Absolutely, Dave. I love I love talking about toxicities. I bet you do. It's my favourite topic. It isn't really. Um, but I, I guess probably the reason we like to talk about it is just to pass on that information for people because uh, there's a lot of things that, you know, we talk about all through the year, particularly at Easter, we talk about chocolate, and the same goes at Christmas. It's not... The chocolate doesn't get safer at Christmas time for our pets no, compared no. to Easter. It's all the same. And particularly dark chocolate is uh, very dangerous. So I remember quite a few years ago I was working on Christmas Day and I saw a dog that uh, the, the people had brought in. And that year they had actually decided that instead of Christmas presents, they were going to give chocolates yeah. to everybody in the family. So under the tree was arranged all these boxes of chocolates. And uh, the Labrador dog, it's always a Labrador um, that uh, that got in and ate, and they said very luckily he didn't get to the chocolates at the back because it was the dark chocolate was at the back of the tree. Now he was quite sick and needed hospitalisation. So what happens to days. our dogs if they eat chocolate? Well, it contains a couple of substances, the most dangerous of which is theobromine. And you know, if you have a bit of chocolate, it makes you feel a bit good. Okay, a little bit of a stimulant. Well, dogs are particularly sensitive to that, and it really stimulates them. They can develop seizures tremors their heart rate can go right through the roof i mean we see dogs with heart rates of around about 250 beats per minute and uh, they can get gastrointestinal signs and if they're very high doses they can actually get seizures and die and we're talking about you know for an average sort of 20 kilo dog look a family block of chocolate could be fatal Um, so we really caution people just to take care uh, at this time of the year, if you're making chocolate in the kitchen and you've got some cocoa powder or cake mix, that as well could be toxic. So if your dog has got into it and had some chocolate, what's the time frame for effects on the dog? Well, with uh, the toxicity, it's going to act pretty quickly. And so the sooner we can treat them, the better. I'm talking within you know, 20 minutes to an hour, it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be affecting them. The thing about chocolate is the theobromine is excreted through the kidneys and then it's reabsorbed back through the wall of the bladder. So what happens is they can actually be poisoned for five days because it takes that long to get it out of their system. Can, can you give them an injection or something to, to free it from their system or does it have to work its way out? Uh, well, there are some treatments that we use of various types, depending on, you know, if they've got neurological symptoms, we're going to treat that. If they've got heart rate problems, we'll treat that. And uh, gastrointestinal symptoms, we will treat that separately. There's no one antidote that will reverse the effect. Is it worse for little dogs? I think because they could probably ingest a more a higher amount, a higher dose amount in a smaller block of chocolate, per se. But uh, 
then again, some of the bigger dogs uh, are able to, you know, jump up onto the shelf or manage to get hold of them. So it really is across the board. Interestingly, cats, we rarely see cats with chocolate poisoning. They must be smarter and just stay away from it. But yeah, dogs really go after it. So we've got to be careful. Chocolate's one. Um, look, the other one that we see at Christmas time, and we call this Boxing Day, um, well, Boxing Day diarrhea. That's how, how it comes in because what happens is uh, day after Christmas, you've got a bit of leftover ham, maybe a bit of turkey, maybe a roast pork. Tadakin, some tadakin. Some tadakin. I'm yet to see a good recipe for a tadakin, but we'll uh, take calls on that later. Um, but what happens is that it can actually induce gastroenteritis and acute gastritis and uh, pancreatitis. So it can be quite nasty to them and, and give them pretty severe uh, problems with their tummy requiring um, hospitalisation. If they actually get cooked bones, of course, that can also lead to an obstruction. So, you know, they're, they're the sort of gastrointestinal thing. But they love bones. I know, Dave. They Just do. not chicken bones. Not chicken well, bones. and look, my rule is no cut bones, no cooked bones. Okay, okay. so a ham is cooked. Uh, so no cooked bones, no cut bones. And if you go with those rules, you're going to be a lot safer. But even raw meaty bones that people talk about, you know, if you think, if you think, well, look, I'm going to be a good pet owner. I'm not going to give my dog a pet ham because Dr. David said on the radio, don't do that. I'm going to go and get a raw meaty bone. Just, you know, look at it carefully and be aware and make sure you take it off the dog uh, after an appropriate time so that they don't run the risk of ingesting it and causing other problems. And, uh, oh, the other one, onions. How, how, What's onion? wrong with onions? Great on the barbecue. They, they great, can't have any? Yeah, great on the barbie. They're in the wrist holes, you know. They're nice. in, in soup. Uh, you've, you've got um, hamburgers, obviously. It's the Aussie way. Absolutely. We're all out having I cooked up some barbie the other day, and um, my dog got tummy upset from it. <laughs> so, oh. um, but what, what actually happens with onions is that they cause what we term oxidative injury to the red blood cells. So what that means is that it causes red blood cells in the body to break down. And uh, I'll never forget the first dog I ever saw with this, which was back in about 1991, uh, came in and he had a red blood cell count of about 12. Normal is 45. So that just shows it had dropped that far. And it turned out he had eaten cooked onions off the barbie on the weekend. Mm. So just be really aware that onions are quite dangerous to, uh, to our pets as well. And also, you know, your plum pudding. Yes. Yeah, it contains like uh, sultanas and raisins and things. Uh, dry, uh, grapes and grape products are toxic to dogs. Mm. So I know I'm really putting it down. Rover. On. Rover's not going to have much he's, of a Christmas. He's not, is he? He's got no. a, yeah, be safe and talk to your vet and talk to the pet store but about But we have one saving grace. I think we have carob. Well, that's right. They yes, love carob. For their chocolate substitute. An alternative. Yeah, and there's a couple of other things as well. Look, we've put together a little information sheet, uh, which is um, we've got on our website, and I can hold it up so I can see it. I haven't got it written here; it's oh, in my head. Thanks. Do you want me to stand up? You can look at my head. You're standing. You're pretty short, aren't you? <laughs> I'm behind the screen. I can't see. I can't see you. Hello. <laughs> um, if you look at Arec Vet, A R E C. V-E-T dot com dot uh, A-U. We've got uh, an article on there about all the possible toxicities that you need to be worried about.
David Tabra, we have a phone call. Someone's called through. We love this. 49216216 is the number. Joining us from Curry Curry, we've got Anne and an issue or a problem with the three-year-old Maltese. Is that right, Anne? Uh, yeah, I just want to know, um, barbecue chicken without the skin, mm-hmm. is that all right for her to eat? Yes, no, bo- no bones. Oh, no, she doesn't have bones. But in my house, I find that generally... Between my son and I, there's not much left for no. the dogs. Put a little aside for me, please, Anne. You're spoiling that yeah, dog. Yeah, no, you're fine. Good, good uh, point too, Anne, about the skin, the barbecue skin, because that's where the fat is sitting under the skin. Even eat the skin ourselves. <laughs> well, what you do with the skin is up to you. We just throw that in the garbage. Oh no, waste not, want not. Um, but yes, you can feed uh, barbecue chicken meat. Dogs love it. In fact, in our hospital, when we uh, we actually go through about probably six to ten barbecue chickens a week and we um, peel all the meat off and bag it up in little meal bags and freeze it. And then when dogs are feeling a bit poorly, we just heat that up and, boy, do they they love it. They eat it up. So does she. Yeah. Um, and sweet potato, carrot and peas. All good. Yep. I like so that. I like that particularly because what you're doing there is you're giving a good range of vitamins but also fibre. A lot of our pets, uh, you know, they don't often get good fibre and as they age, that's really good for their bowel health. So you've got uh, sweet potato and, and uh, carrots have good fibre content. So that sounds good. Now, another question. We wanted to lose weight. She has dry food of the morning and we just put a bit of boiling water on that and she has that of a night. Mm-hmm. Um, should we give her any lunch? Well, look, um, most of our dogs are now really their, their biology and the way that they, their in, um, gastrointestinal system works is they're, they're really more of a gorge and then sit down and relax species. They're not a grazer, so not like horses and cows and so on that are actually eating all day. Dogs will eat one big meal and usually that should be enough for the day. What we do find is that if you work out the calorie content and you can actually get uh, your vet to do this with the food you're already feeding or uh, you can get food that has a calculated calorie content then you can divide that daily amount up into two or three meals but you're not giving your dog any more food or any more calories than they should be getting and that would be worked out to be an amount that would help them lose weight so in other words less calories than what they need just to get through the day so that their body would mobilise fat to generate that extra energy. Uh, so, yes, you can feed multiple times a day, but you have to work out exactly the calorie content to make sure that you uh, do have the effect. Do you have a cal- calorie counter or something I can buy for the dog, do you? Um, generally, with, uh, it's not something I do in emergency work, but I did in uh, GP world when I was working as a GP vet for mm. 20 years that um, we used to sit down and often go through this process. And uh, there are actually calorie counters for pets as well. Okay, um, where would you get one of them? Uh, well, if you speak with your vet, they would be able to work out because it varies very much depending on the source of your food. Okay. okay. And there are a number of them. Uh, a lot of them are calculated from the United States, and so some of their terminology... Oh, that'll be in pounds and that, won't oh, it? Yeah, ounces. Confusing. Mm, and and uh, they work in calories, obviously, and we tend to work in kilojoules, um, here so where can i find a converter for that well we would be able to work that out for you dave 
Oh, good. That's, okay. that's, that part's the easy part. Very helpful. But oftentimes we look up and they'll have things like, say, feed your pet ground turkey. That's not really a food. that, And they, they say ground instead of minced. And, oh. you know, little things like yeah, that. And some yeah. of the veggies are a little bit different and so on. But, yeah, it, there are some sources of that on the internet and very often we'll sit down. I, I remember doing it with um, uh, some some of the food manufacturers will so give you a, a food calculator for working out diets. The other thing, Anne, that you could do, though, for weight loss is actually look at uh, uh, using a commercially prepared food that is already calorie calculated uh, has the right amount of fiber you 're getting the right vitamins and minerals you you don 't have to fiddle around with those things it 's all taken care of. Put them on that diet for sort of eight to twelve weeks, get the weight off, and then you can go back to your homemade diet, which uh, you can get worked out to maintain the appropriate body weight well we were uh, in the in the song there Cheryl and I were discussing, and um, she asked me a very good question yeah, what about macadamia nuts with dogs well. It's it's an interesting. I love macadamia nuts. Yeah, me too. But you know when you crack them, that you've got those sharp shells, obviously. And uh, if they ingest the whole or even the broken part, that's going to be quite dangerous. It can cause obstructions, and we've seen that a lot. So I don't know why anybody would share their macadamia nuts, but to be honest, they do. And if it, so, if it's just the nut itself, in fact, that the kernel is uh, toxic to dogs as well. Now, we don't really know how or how it works, but it actually affects their neurological system. And generally, they can recover, obviously, if we make sure they haven't in, <coughs> ingested too much. Um, but, yeah, it makes them quite ataxic, meaning they're wobbly when they're walking and things like that. So we uh, always need to keep an eye on and to warn people, don't let your dog have access to nuts. Generally, are good to stay away from. Um, but particularly macadamia nuts. What about it's beautiful Christmas Day lunch or dinner mm. or, or Boxing Day? You're enjoying a nice <clears> beer and you want to let Rover have a bit of your beer. Can you do that? Where do you come up with these ideas? Who's sharing their people maca- do? Who is sharing their macadamia I know nuts? And old their mates, beer? old blokes love to oh. give a little bit of beer to the dog. Come well, on, look, generally, don't make out that it's a fantasy. It does happen. <laughs> people love to share does, a mouthful of beer with their dog. It does happen, Dave. And and look, dogs are just like us. They're susceptible to um, intoxication you don't from live alcohol. In the real world, you don't. <laughs> I'm in the real world where people share a beer with their dog. Well, good on you, but uh, perhaps it's best not to do that. Um, you have to remember, look, just on a pure body size point of view, you know, your dog's 5, 10 kilos and you're 70, 80, oh. 90 kilos so and you're sharing a beer. Half a stubby? What? Uh, none. Let's none. Go, let's go with none. In okay. fact, I have even seen non-alcoholic dog beef beer. See, that's good. So you can, pour, you can pour this amber fluid into their bowl and go, drink up, mate, raise one, you know, for Christmas and celebrate the year. And share the uh, dog beer with your dog. Okay. See, it's good. Everyone, Aussies do it. Not everyone, but I reckon a few of us do it, you know. Like. Now, I've been talking about dogs a lot. And, you know, as I said earlier and uh, have said many times, cats are more discerning. However, when the Christmas tree and the tinsel uh, uh, ribbons are around, this is the time of the year, cats love that sort of stuff. And they will grab it. And uh, although it's not toxic, it can actually cause a lot of problems and uh, they, it will get into their intestine and cause what we call a linear foreign body. Now, they're pretty nasty. That can cause really nasty problems. And um, 
often or will require surgery. If you see that happening, your cat has ingested some, don't pull it out because it might have actually, there could be a long uh, string of it and it's caught inside their intestine and what you're going to do is uh, cause some serious damage. And if it actually manages to come all the way out the other end and you see some coming out the other end, don't pull it out again because it it might also cause problems uh, on the way out. So very important to keep away from your cats that you keep away the tinsel, the ribbon, the wrapping paper if there's any string or anything attached to it. Some some cats just can't resist those Christmas trees. I know, I know. You have yes, Christmas trees that are actually uh, five feet off the ground, and even then, it's not safe because the cat's jumping onto them. So yeah, just play it safe with cats because they're attracted by the shiny, sparkly things, and um, you know that we don't want them to get sick as well. Is there things that we shouldn't uh, let them eat? Um, well, I do know, like a lot of people buy gifts for their pets and you mentioned earlier about carob treats for dogs which uh, gets around the chocolate problem we've talked about bones and um and beer and so for cats uh, oftentimes you know they are attracted by these toys and things like that the thing i liked is there's really a low level laser lights for cats are good and you can actually get um like a little um fishing one one that we've got for our cat is like a little fishing rod where you can dangle it in front of them and they'll they grab. like laser lights too aren't yeah they? laser lights are really good fantastic two in your office pet chat hello who's calling david yes yeah um i've got a, a border collie cross kelpie he's about five years old and, and very active but um just lately he seems to be losing quite a bit of weight and he, he's still still quite active i've given him working dog food Right. Okay. So generally, working dog food usually has a bit more energy in it, depending yeah. on depending on the brand. I mean, some of them are uh, sometimes um, sold in that way, but they actually don't have that energy. So, how quickly have you noticed this weight loss happening, David? Oh, over the last oh, about a month or so. Okay. Um, and has he had any uh, diarrhoea, vomiting? Not that I've, I've noticed. Um, we're on an acre block, you know, so he's, he's uh, gets plenty of exercise. He runs around quite a bit. Yeah. And is it just on the look of him or have you actually weighed him to see what, what his numbers are like? No, I haven't weighed him, but um, he's, he's sort of getting a, a bit drawn, you know, a bit thin. Okay. Um, the, the main thing we see is if the diet checks out okay or there hasn't been much change there, then obviously um, we need to go looking for a reason why. And so gastrointestinal problems are often a cause, either because they're losing uh, protein or, or you know, uh, their weight out of their body through, through the gut, and that can be caused by parasites, so worms and things like that. Um, sometimes we'll see digestion disorders as well, which can uh, show up. And look, any of these can come up at this age. Uh, you're sort of right in the middle of you know, the young dog going into middle age. Uh, the other area that we see where they lose weight is through the kidneys. And um, by that I mean they're not processing protein properly in their body uh, and they're losing that nitrogen out through their kidneys. So usually when we're looking at a dog that has had a period of, of uh, documented weight loss and we've checked out the diet, we've checked out to make sure there's no parasites, and even if uh, your vet does a parasite check, it's probably worthwhile worming him anyway. Um, but then also need to get his urine checked and make sure we're not losing protein there. That 
sort of approach would cover, you know, 80% of the problems. But then there's still going to be 20% of problems that we see in dogs that cause weight loss that aren't being picked up by those basic tests. So that's when we start looking at things like, you know, tests for, um, um, what's the word, occult diabetes, uh, hormone disorders, things like that that can contribute to um, mismanagement of energy in their body or um, me- metabolic problems. So certainly visiting your vet for that sort of work is going to be the f- best way to start this off. All right, David, thank you for giving us a call. Good luck with that. It might be the option to get the uh, the pet off to the vet as soon as possible for a checkup, I think. Almost mm-hmm. out of time. David, thank you so much for 2015 for being one of our vets here and offering some wonderful advice, and we wish you all the best for a safe Christmas. Thank you, and, Dave. Uh, and all the success ahead for you for 2016. We hope it's not t- too busy a time for you over the break. <laughs> thank you very much. And Cheryl, you are fantastic. You're new with us this year, second part of the year, and we love having you here. You'll be with us in 2016. Certainly will. You'll be back with me next week. I will. We'll love it for our last one for the year for Christmas, so thank you so much for that. Thank that you, is Dave. Pet Chat for another week. Uh, We'll be back uh, for the last time uh, midday next Wednesday at 2 in your RFM. Coming up soon, Greg Richard with Easy Listening Favourites. Weather update for our sponsors, Snap Freeze, your Dakin Air Conditioning Service Specialist. It's remaining cloudy, still a strong chance of showers and a possible storm ahead this afternoon or this evening. And those temperatures still up pretty high, up around 31, 32 degrees at the moment at Windale. With Easy Listening, 2 in your RFM.